Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. We are kicking off 2019 with a returning guest who is one of the phenomenal leaders in blockchain, Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin Jr. He's the Senior Managing Principal and President of Genesis Capital Markets in right here in New York. And I'm pleased to announce that Mr. Goodwin has agreed to be a regular guest on Leadership to discuss the blockchain technology and the many potential applications over the course of the year. However, to kick off this part of our new programming, we're going to begin with a series of four consecutive sessions on four different topics about blockchain. And those sessions are going to air uh, this one, as you're, you're hearing today, it's going to be about blockchain fintech and, and the in AI in 2019 projections. On January 12th, we're going to talk about the fintech update. And then we're going to give you an update on January 19th on AI, artificial intelligence. And then on the 26th, uh, we're going to give you a blockchain industry update. So if you're unaware about blockchain, January is your month. Kenneth, welcome to the program. Darrell, thank you very much for having me here. It's always a blessing to have the opportunity to be able to have a, a, a beautiful conversation on your radio station and with the respected audiences. So I am excited for 2019 and to be able to speak on blockchain, artificial intelligence, as well as in fintech also. You know, for our guests who have not had the opportunity to listen to your previous uh, interview, which well, we did this uh, last August in 2018, which is up on the iTunes podcast for Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter, could you share with them a little bit about your education background and experience and what you're currently doing at Genesis Capital Markets? Sure, sure. Thank you very much, Darrell. Uh, originally, I grew up in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I decided to go to a historically black college uh, called Johnson C. Smith University. Uh, I've been very fortunate and blessed to be a member of their honors college program. And initially was recruited heavily uh, by the late Dr. Robert Albright. And, and the reason why I start off that way, uh, Darrell, because I had a, a lot of opportunity to go to many other different schools and universities. And Johnson C. Smith actually was my last uh, choice, the last decision. And it wound up being uh, the best decision I made in my life uh, because I was able to, to maintain and sustain and create some lifelong friendships over the years. But most importantly, the school had built this, this air of confidence and purpose and the president at that time, Dr. Robert Albright, provided me with the opportunity to go to Japan and be Johnson C. Smith's first exchange student. So I wind up going to Japan, and we talk about today's date, uh, 2019, but it would be 25 years ago I was in Japan as an exchange student. And that changed my life uh, drastically because it, it exposed me more to Asia to the Asia culture, uh, to education, uh, learning more about uh, the Japanese business, the Zaibatsus and the Keiratsus that you have read about and heard about, uh, China, Korea, all these 
countries that you hear and, and nowadays when you talk about trade and uh, the trade um, uh, confrontation that we have here in the U.S. But uh, the foundation for that, the foundation, excuse me, for that started for me 25 years ago. And I wind up going to Temple University uh, to get my MBA because I knew I wanted to go back to Japan. And then what happened was just a series of progression in the industry from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York uh, to RBS to HSBC on the security side uh, to PwC to Grant Thornton to currently here at Genensis Capital Markets. And Genensis, just to name Darrell, Genensis means uh, it's named after my mom, Jeanette, who uh, I, I love my mother to death, um, wonderful woman, Asia and capital markets. So it's a combination of those as well as Genesis and the Bible. And right. I put that together. Yes. And, and I was able to create the name. And our focus, the role originally was foreign direct investment. So we were advising uh, firms that wanted to do business in Asia via our partners uh, being JETRO, which is J Japan Exchange Trade Organization, as well as via the Hong Kong Trade Development Council for those firms that wanted to do business in China, and Culture, which is the Korean arm for their investment uh, arm asset management, but also uh, those are, uh, they serve as a government service entity to identify Korean companies that wanted to do business here in the U.S., but also want to do business in, in Korea. So we worked uh, closely with those particular government service entities, and then we gradually moved towards uh, blockchain. And what propelled us into that direction was a series of fintech firms, financial technology firms, uh, that invited us to several of these blockchain events. And it's ironic uh, that we speak about this now, Darrell, on the 10th anniversary of Bitcoin, uh, because about four years ago, I went to my first blockchain conference. And I can tell you, when I went to that conference, I said, wow, this is really going to have a major impact on how we operate a firm, uh, how we execute transactions. The idea of having a digitized ledger, um, which is built around trust and built around having nodes, which receives the actual instructions. Uh, and that's just blockchain at a very, very comprehensive level where you don't have a centralized function and you're really operating between yourself, Darrell, and myself, and you're able to do a transaction. Uh, it helps in terms of having speed, uh, efficiency, but again, trust is very important. And so being able to do that for a period of time and being able to advise uh, several of the top 200 blockchain firms uh, both on the advisory side, but also on the capital raising side, is where we've done uh, significantly. And then we kind of pivot away a bit. We started to go towards artificial intelligence. And again, that spun off from having those conversations with several of the blockchain CEOs, chief executive officers and C-level executives, as they were progressing on the application 
they kept saying that they wanted to use artificial intelligence technology, either deep learning or machine learning, to complement their blockchain technology. And that kind of spun us towards more artificial intelligence firms. So we've been very blessed and fortunate to be able to work with multiple firms within fintech, blockchain, and artificial intelligence. Wow, that is completely awesome. If you could, uh, Kenneth, let's provide the audience over with just a, uh, a fundamental understanding of what is blockchain? Yeah, blockchain, and that's a, thank you very much, Dara. Blockchain at its core basic essential cooperation, it's, it's a decentralized platform. So when you look in terms of uh, give you an example of our payment system today. Uh, traditionally, uh, if Darrell, if you wanted to wire me money, you would have to go through a third party uh, source. And that source could be a bank, a Western Union, and they would receive your money. And of course, they would do their enhanced due diligence or the customer due diligence and the basic know your customer. Uh, but they will receive your money and they would actually, after doing all that documentation and identification, they would eventually wire their honor to my account. Uh, the challenge with those transactions is that the cost for doing it, um, it's going to cost to have that third party or that entity, the centralized entity to do that, that, that transaction um, and the time that it takes. Usually it take anywhere uh, between maybe three to five days or two to three days. Uh, and, and then, of course, you have the security around that. With blockchain, it, you imagine eliminating uh, that third party and imagine just you and I having a transaction on a database. So you and I was to walk in a room together and we say, hey, we want to exchange funds, we want to exchange money. The room itself serves as a blockchain. The minute we walk into that room, uh, that blockchain, it allows us to have an agreement. And that agreement is what they call a consensus agreement. You know, I walk in a room with you and we both agree that we're going to do this exchange together. And because we're going to do this exchange together, I can't really identify you. The only way I'm going to identify you is by your wallet. You can have a specialized identification wallet. So the idea of discrimination, the idea of saying, I don't want Darrell's money because Darrell is, he's just seven foot tall. <laughs> Not to say that I want to be discriminatory towards seven foot tall people, but you know, the idea is that you're only going to be identified by a series of codes and I'm only going to be identified by a series of codes and and putting those codes together it's going to have to take a mining mechanism and the advanced blockchain doesn't really have to use mining but the old blockchain uses a mining mechanism where you match those codes together and the fact that you're able to do that you do it on the basis of trust that we both trust each other, we both trust the system, and we both trust that 
this transaction is going to occur uh, between you and I. So that's blockchain at its core essential. Then over time, it's been developed and changed. The great thing about blockchain technology is that it has grown over time. So now you have blockchain technology that's not really looking at a minor mechanism. You have a seller uh, that, oh, excuse me, Ripple, excuse me, Ripple, which doesn't really have the mining function to it. So it, it's really progressed over the years. But at its core essential, it's based off trust. It's based off the efficiency. Um, that transaction that you and I just completed, we can't go back and change it. But because we did that transaction, it's an it's a immutable transaction. But because we did that transaction, we have transparency. So everyone is able to see that Darrell and Ken did a transaction over a platform. And, and that is really what is at as core essentials. One question comes to mind is that uh, privacy. If this is a transaction between you and I and blockchain is a distributed uh, network where there's miners out there who are proving the different uh, hashes out there, um, where does privacy come in and how is privacy maintained? Yeah, that's a great question. That's one of the biggest challenge on the blockchain is is the air of privacy. Who actually owns um, your your wallet? Um, the key with blockchain is that because it is a decentralized platform, um, when you look at privacy in itself. You kind of, when you, when you say you have a trusted system, uh, you kind of give away, and I'm going to say this, I think privacy, you, that's the trade-off there. The trade-off is that you have trust, uh, but there's going to be privacy, privacy only on that platform. Um, but it would have to, if you're going to do true privacy, it would have to be, let's say, not a open platform, not a public platform. It could be a private platform where you're able to still maintain um, the consensus mechanism uh, and still maintain the trust. Uh, but privacy for blockchain is a key area. Um, the only thing that separates you that really helps you in terms of the identification is that you have your wallet. And so you're really identified by your wallet and and the actual uh, code with your wallet um, and then that, that's key for you to maintain so you wouldn't be able to go in and share that with anyone else the minute you start to do that then you have all kinds of issues uh, but trust is the key because you're trusting that the platform um, is not going to be susceptible to fraud and that uh, the makers of the platform is not going to be able to go in and display your information, uh, at least in terms of for the betterment of themselves. And that everyone else on that platform is going to respect your transaction. So that's really the key. So I think you get rid of privacy on a public platform. Maybe on a private platform, you may have a little bit of privacy. But then I guess there's also the concept of um, two folks 
uh, could go off chain, if you will, uh, during a particular part of the transaction and complete their transaction and then bring it back on chain. Um, is that is that one way that uh, two people can maintain privacy between the, the two of themselves, like say a buy and sell a automobile? Yes, that's one way. You can go off chain and, and then, of course, go back on chain itself. Uh, that's one way of doing it. I, I wouldn't, you know, the, the, the key is to uh, be able to monitor uh, your transactions. And, and like you mentioned, going off chain is important because it doesn't at least give you the full exposure. Uh, that you would have if you were on chain completely at 100%. Uh, but again, there's no guarantee on the blockchain that you, because there's no guarantee that it's going to be 100% completely secured. That's one of the things that people may say, and that's one of the big um, uh, kind of, I, I call it very contradictions. You know, a lot of people think that it is a 100% secure platform. Anytime you deal with data, anytime you deal with the exchange of data, you're always susceptible to uh, the data either being lost or someone else uh, getting, getting hold of that data and abusing it. Right, right. And I've heard someone describe it. It might have been you, um, but if, if not, please correct me. That blockchain is the facility is like the lane of the tracks around the world wide web so that folks can build different applications on top of the blockchain tracks. Does it, that, does that would, analogy describe it correctly in your opinion? It, it does to a certain degree. Um, definitely uh, to, and because and, the world wide web I, I would I would say to a large degree, because uh, I, when I look at blockchain, I think of the multiple applications that are out there, and right. and the World Wide Web is definitely an influencer behind that. It's clearly influencing, um, you know, how people are being able to promote their blockchain projects being able to communicate, uh, to distribute their services. But when I look at blockchain, I think what it did was it, uh, it inspired people to come up with better ways to handle some of the bigger issues that you have. And one of those issues were being able to uh, use less energy. As you know, blockchain, when you do a transaction, there's a large amount of energy source that's, being re that's required to do this transaction. Uh, so that's one of the, the areas where people are working on is how do you cut down on the use of energy? Uh, how do you uh, increase speed? Uh, you know, how do you increase traceability uh, of the blockchain? Uh, interoperability, the ability to have multiple applications to communicate with each other. So I think what it did was that the race was if I take your track, Durrell, that track is absolutely right, but it's kind of like a race to get better. And so what I saw, people were getting better with the application. They were trying to solve that problem. 
and and as they began to solve the problems, they got they they started to produce better applications. So the applications that we start off with was payment and clearing and settlement, and then they started to go on and say, well, how about we do real estate? But in order for us to do real estate, we have to do a tokenization of the real estate. Or how about we do trust? Uh, how about we try uh, legal or medical services? So uh, as they, you know, as designers started to move along the spectrum, they started to test and see with different ideas uh, which applications work best on the blockchain. And I think as time progressed, you're seeing this the quality where people are realizing it only works for a certain set of, of different applications. And where do you see blockchain going? I mean, we've heard all of the uh, headlines, the ups and the downs of Bitcoin, but now we're seeing that there are many different uh, applications that are, that are coming forth. What do you see for 2019? I, I see that blockchain, and thank you very much, Sarah, for that question. I, I, I see twofold. Uh, one, the cryptocurrency in terms of the actual, and I'm going to separate cryptocurrency from the actual technology itself. Um, the cryptocurrency, I'm not going to make any kind of um, statement in terms of where it's going to go high or low or anything of that nature. I'm not a broker dealer and I'm trying to do that. <laughs> but, but the Bitcoin itself, we at Genensis, we've partnered with a firm called Catapult Research. And James Smith is an expert on W.D. GAN research. And W.D. GAN uh, was an economist in the early 1900s. Uh, who used to trace and monitor and assess movements in stock prices. But in order for GAN to do that, GAN recognized that the energy forces, the movement and the alignment of the stars, had an impact on how individuals were to make decisions. And in making those decisions, it's going to determine whether the prices are going to go up or go down. And so GAN used the rule of nine to calculate the price and the time of commodities and fixed income. It just happened that that same GAN model works extremely well for cryptocurrencies and crypto assets. And particularly Bitcoin, particularly Ethereum and Ripple. And we've been very blessed and fortunate to work with Jim Smith on doing some research on where Bitcoin would be at and how Bitcoin would either establish a low and eventually go up. And he's been on point. He's been absolutely uh, correct with his assessment. And what Genesis has done is that we've actually shared that information to the public. So for Bitcoin, we saw Bitcoin collapsing about six months ago. Uh, we've actually had an event, the in September, 
through our sponsorship with the Chang Kong Graduate School of Business and our strategic partners, the Hong Kong Trade Development Council, on doing a GAN assessment. And we, at that uh, meeting, at that gathering, we were able to talk about how GAN was calculated and how it would actually have that impact on Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ripple. And back then, I made the comment that it's going to be a capitulation in this space. And it's also going to be a convergence between Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then the first, the capitulation would be that the price of Bitcoin would eventually drop anywhere from 3000 to 3200 um, as well as Ethereum would go below 100 mm-hmm. um, And eventually, it would have a run-up uh, to about 6000 uh, maybe going into January the fourth week of January. And then eventually uh, it may have another, another dip. And, and that's as a result of doing those calculations uh, through GAN methodology. So in that sense, Bitcoin, you know, the argument was, has Bitcoin outrun its purpose? I don't think it outran its purpose. I think Bitcoin is actually uh, is redefining itself. And it's a good thing that this occurred because what you had before was this exuberance and you had uh, people trying to figure out how to use Bitcoin, whether Bitcoin was a currency, whether it was an asset. But I think now what it's done is it's it's presented a scenario, an opportunity to say, okay, Bitcoin could be used in certain cases. And just recently, you probably heard the state of Ohio is going to be using Bitcoin for payment. Yes. So yes. You're, you're, you're starting to see what I see is institutional firms and institutional clients are starting to really take a real deep look into how to implement um, Bitcoin, how to use Bitcoin, but also how to apply blockchain, the technology. So what you're finding is firms uh, such as the financial institution, the insurance firms, a lot of the large caps, they're looking at their operating system and they're looking at from the front office, but mainly mid to back office to see how blockchain technology could be used more efficiently. And I think that's a great thing for the industry because what it does, it legitimizes the industry. So you're finding uh, payment solution firms uh, looking at blockchain, uh, insurance firms, as you probably know, the uh, C3 is a consortium of insurance companies who are exploring the use of blockchain uh, on a blockchain platform with insurance providers. R3 was traditionally the financial technology firms that were using and exploring blockchain on a quarter system and looking at different products and services that they were offering to see ways that they can actually use blockchain technology. And so you're starting to see that. You're starting to see a move away from consumer, which is originally what it was. It's consumer application. Um, now you're starting to see much more being done with institutional clients and wow. governments are starting to get more involved. 
Kenneth, I am so happy we are going to have a four-part series to kick you off as a regular guest on leadership with Darrell W. Gunter, because believe it or not, um, our time has flown by. Oh, wow. So um, if, if it's you, always fun speaking to you, Darrell. It's always, <laughs> it's always a very deep and good and, and fundamental understanding conversation, which is great for our audience as we're trying to educate them because people say, well, how does blockchain and leadership go together? Well, you know, you want to be, your leaders need to be in the know. In order to be in the know, they have to understand how these new technologies are going to work because if they don't embrace these new technologies, they'll find themselves in their business out in the cold. And we don't want that. But if you could, uh, to wrap up uh, today's session, um, what, what, are, what are the one or two things that you think that folks are going to see in the first quarter in regard to blockchain? I, for the first quarter, I, I see a lot more um, and, and from the Bitcoin, from the cryptocurrency aspect, you will have this kind of slight run up to that 6,000 point. But to be cognizant that the cryptocurrencies are very volatile. And what you're finding is that a lot of these projects have become dormant. So they lost value over time throughout and the trading volume has dropped significantly. Um, I actually think that's a good thing, at least to flight the quality. So for those who like to trade, you know, just be very you know, cautious, um, but also at the same time that uh, it's actually going to be set up for a nice gradual run-up, I think. For the technology itself, I do see more firms coming out and starting to really show their blockchain uh, projects. I had private conversations with several major financial institutions. And the difference this year, or the difference towards the end of the year relative to the beginning of the year, the beginning of the year, Darrell, a lot of these firms kept saying, we were still trying to figure out what to do with blockchain technology. And now what I'm hearing is that we have an idea as to how we can apply it. We have an idea as to how this is gonna make our operations a lot more efficient. We have an idea as to how this could include third-party vendors. Uh, we have an idea as to how, uh, give you an example, uh, a supply chain firm uh, may look at it from a bigger scale and say that this is gonna be part of the whole factory system. Okay. And you may have, blockchain from the supply chain side, but you also have artificial intelligence also. So firms are really piecemealing this. Well, before they really weren't doing that. And I think that's what's gonna happen. You're gonna see much more projects uh, that's gonna be coming out, a lot more products, uh, definitely on the broker-dealer side. Okay. I think firms are starting to come out and be a little bit more bold even though we have our Security Exchange Commission. But they've actually reached out to, reached out to us, Durrell. They reached mm -hmm. out to experts in the community. And so the conversation will continue to go between the respective prudential regulators here in the U.S. and the industry. So 
So I kind of like where we're at now. I think we okay. needed to have this kind of change. Well, we're going to pick this up, as you know, in our, on our next program to talk about AI, uh, artificial intelligence. But I want to thank Mr. Kenneth A. Goodwin, Jr. He's the Senior Managing Principal and President of Genesis Capital Markets and Global Advisory. Kenneth, thank you for your time today to talk about blockchain. Darrell, it's been a pleasure to be on the show today. Uh, it's been a great opportunity. I love speaking uh, to you and then exchanging knowledge uh, to the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this weekend. This weekend on Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.